Hello, this is Eric with Dungeons and Tangents. You are tuning in to one of the early episodes of this podcast, so I wanted to make sure you know the quality of these early episodes is inferior to later episodes. I recommend checking out episode 14 or later. It's around that time that we really get our process figured out. If you're listening to this early material, I hope you forgive us for our learning curve, and thank you very much for listening. Welcome again to Dungeons and Tangents. My name is Eric Dewhurst. I am Chris Rutledge. And today we are talking about character generation. Our previous episode was about D&D Beyond and how they have evolved. They're in the process of, of creating a product that includes the character generation uh, tools that people would generally want in a digital platform. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of different character generation options in Dungeons and Dragons and other Dungeons and Dragons variant games. Um, the first one that really stands out is pencil and paper because we've been doing it for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. I don't actually, when I generate a character, uh, I generally use a PDF. And that's that's like the next, that's the, the most advanced thing I've done. Yeah. So I, I've been playing since I was a kid and one of the most favorite things that I liked doing was creating characters and back then we had computers but they weren't <laughs> as sophisticated as they are now and uh, so you were forced to pull out sheets of paper and start digging through resource books and going line by line going okay these are all my feats or these are the feats that I have available to me and here's the construction of my character and it would take you could not do it in a day if you really cared about your character it would take you several days if not and part of it's that there's not, generally there isn't a one two three. Here's yeah. how you build a character, which is weird. Yeah, it well. So your you your start. initial your initial player guide had that right, but then the problem was that that player guide could not anticipate future publications, right. and then you would have to start scouring through some of the magazines, right. and some of the new player resources <laughs> that were put out, right. And none of them could tie each other back to each other because obviously that's not what paper yeah. <laughs> publishing really did. Yeah, it was kind of fun digging through that. And as you started like collecting resources, you would bookmark which ones had what, right? So as you're reading through them, and that was actually kind of the fun of getting some of the resources was you would just use it as like a weekend reader, and then you would notate, oh, okay, I, this is a really good idea for a, a cool character or class or feat that I wanted. Now, obviously, it, with advanced technology computers, that has gone out the wayside. It's a quick search for what you want and what you're looking for, and even in even in Google, right? Google's probably your best resource yeah. for it because you could just type in D&D 5th edition, cool as hell monk and <laughs> you'll have a ton of articles on playing an awesome monk and people have different builds listed and you can go off of that people now getting into it the barrier of entry is significantly lower but it's still tough because there's still a lot of content and yeah, yeah as, as it's much, kind of a double-edged sword now it is there's so much content where do you start right yeah. and some of these some of the things that we're going to talk about kind of help alleviate that barrier of entry. Some are really good. Some aren't so good. It's all done on you know, the basis of really what you're looking for. And are you 
super advanced or are you just a pure beginner? Right? Yeah. And D&D Beyond itself, what they've created thus far, seems to be aimed at relatively beginner stage. Yeah. It's just like, you want to create a barbarian? Let's create a barbarian and roll some stats and get some equipment and done. Yep, but I'm really impressed with it though because uh, in normal character creation, right, you have to think about whether you're going to roll die or you're going to do a point buy for your character's stats, right? They actually let you do both. They give you a couple options and they explain what's going on. What they've done so far in the character creation is really unique in the sense that they step you through each phase and they're explaining all the phases. So Which when is, you go in, you look. That's at, unique. Yeah, it's it's very unique. And uh, when you choose a class, it pops the class up, and it gives a really quick description of the class and its abilities and why playing this class is so fun or what's great about it. Which is in the uh, core rule book, right? But but you have to read through all of that to get to the end. Where if you didn't want to, you could just click on it, look at the quick description. I think uh, maybe click on another class that doesn't appeal yeah. to you, or even the races. Like they're the way that they've set up the process is very intuitive, yeah. and also explains why you're doing this and why you're doing that, and what happens if you choose a uh, an eight for your strength as opposed to choosing a fifteen. They do explain the cons and pros of 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 your actions, which. Some of these don't do, right? No, there's a lot of assumptions in the role-playing game, the tabletop world, that you've played this before, you know what you're doing, here's just the rules. You'll you'll figure out how to flip through them and and build a character. And what happens, too, too, is as you're building a character, you may have done something 10, 15 steps prior that you won't realize what's happening until you're starting to play through the character and realize, oh... My eight in strength is now keeping me from doing X, Y, Z, right? My acrobatics checks or my my strength checks are going to be really bad. My encumbrance is going to be significantly lower than someone else's because I can't carry so much. I now can't wear full plate armor even though I'm building a paladin and my strength (laughs) is eight, right? Like you, that process that they've built out so far really does kind of show you the implications of your choices, which these books that you try to build a character from pen and paper don't really do. No, they're, they're just, here are rules, assemble them the way you want to assemble them. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's D&D Beyond, but there are, there's this huge world of other, well, maybe not huge world, but there's, a, there's, a, there's quite a bit. A nice yeah. list of other resources that allow you to create characters in an automated fashion so that, A, you know you're following all the rules. Yeah. Um, you're not stubbing your toe on obscure <laughs> rules. And if you want to use obscure rules, that they get uh, pulled into the fold and, yep. and get used the, the way that they were intended to, not the way that one player thought they should be used, and then the DM has to slap them on the wrist. Yeah, uh, so uh, one of the ones that I like using is uh, PC Gen. So it's a Java-based application that can run on any platform, so Windows, Mac, or your uh, Linux Android. environment. Yeah. Um, so we won't run a mobile. I don't believe oh, okay. that there's a mobile no. option. Okay. Um, but um, it's very comprehensive. Uh, they have a lot of uh, source files for 
Pathfinder, D and D, a bunch of other games, yeah, and, I, and a bunch of other games that I haven't seen before either. And it, which is nice because that means that their software is really robust yeah. and it's flexible. Uh, you can also create your own scripts and create your own data files oh. too, right? That's so if you wanted, to, yeah, if you wanted to create your own campaign, you could actually create your own game and your own platform through. That you would need to know how to do some of the scripting for it, yeah. but um, there's so a bunch of online resources. I should say we are both software engineers. Yeah, yeah. By, so, by trade, so. so we really appreciate this stuff when we see it because it, it having this openness is fantastic. In part because I don't want to do that work. Yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do it at home or we do it at work. We don't yeah. want to be doing it at home all day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so uh, PC Gen's really good. Um, it's not without its flaws uh, because it's completely open source. So um, there's a community of people that are constantly finding bugs, contributing to some of the data files, and uh, you know a- adding to that content. Right um, now, they follow on the open gaming license. You probably hear us talk about the OGL quite a bit. Him anyway. Um, yeah, <laughs> but so it's really it's really important that the OGL is around because it's allowing these people to create this content. With uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be able to to do it. Right. So they creating have to pay the, for they would have to pay for licensing and royalties, and, yeah. and it allows a community to be created that can contribute to what they want to without actually having to shell out money right. and or or have to pay and but at the same time they're not making money on on it either right, right? it's completely right. free and PC, available to anyone PC Gen is completely free yes. some of the other platforms are not no right so fantasy grounds yeah right which is so a great example of something that is not free right but to be honest with you uh, fantasy grounds with everything that you get out of it and the amount of work that's been put into it, I don't expect somebody to <laughs> release that as free content. If they did, they've got really bad business acumen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Fantasy Grounds will allow you to choose your platform that they have a license for that they will pay a royalty for, a royalty fee for. They come with, the majority of them come with their own character creations, and they do step you through. Uh, you know, choosing your class, choosing your stats, choosing the race, and having you uh, choose maybe like subclasses or archetypes and multi-classing, right? There's a lot of rules that you can really get uh, overburdened with, and a lot of the software does help you with those rules. Right. So Fantasy Grounds, it's just a platform for managing characters, managing campaigns, but then the next one on our list is Roll20. We're kind of inadvertently kind of ramping up in, in terms of functionality. You go from a little bit, yeah. pen and paper to PC gen, which is just create a character. Fantasy Grounds, you can manage not just a character, but a whole uh, campaign yeah. and really manage a lot more. And then Roll20, the next one on our list, it's not just managing that all of that, but also playing it online with your friends via their own um, video chat system, Yep. And you've got audio and video and a map and everything uh, that you would need in a, f- almost everything you need in a physical form. Yeah. So again, again, you get into the uh, the licensing part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to run D&D or Pathfinder content, you have to have a license for it. But generally only one person needs to have the license. Not every mm-hmm. player needs to have it, right? Uh, Roll20 also has their Roll20 Pro program that you would pay for additional content and additional features. Uh, Without the Roll20 Pro, you still get the majority of the functionality of Roll20, but Roll20 Pro gives you additional features beyond their normal basic set. Um, And and don't forget, uh, 
uh, Fantasy Grounds allows you to give a shell client to your players, that's right. and they can connect to you online as well. But that's your direct connection. I don't believe it's a uh, like a, a web browser server connection that Roll Twenty themselves actually manage. Right. Um, but again, uh, now with Roll Twenty, uh, you have to create your character sheet manual. You have to go in. Yeah, now, now what's really cool is that Roll Twenty has a also an online community where you can create importers, and a oh, lot of people have done new. this. That, yep. Uh, so uh, for Pathfinder uh, Roll20 character sheets, if you have Hero Lab, I believe if you have PC Gen, and I believe if you have Fantasy Grounds, you can export your character creation in an XML file and then import it into Roll20. Oh, and nice. it loads your entire character, all your stats, your feats, your equipment, and everything like that for you. That's nice. Because yeah. loading up the character is... It's uh, time consuming. Yeah, Robert and I did a, did a demo of of Roll20 a while back and it just the setup is it's a, a huge learning curve yeah, a very very big learning big curve big learning sure. curve and if you're a DM well if I'm a DM and I do uh, campaign setup that's for pen and paper and usually when I'm done I pretty much have like a couple sheets of paper that I've scribbled notes yeah. on I don't necessarily want to then have a huge weight of you know <clears throat> data entry effectively yeah uh, so I, we're talking about all of these tools. <laughs> I don't use hardly any of them. I use uh, so so little. But they're but they're there for you, right? So they are it, there. It's, it's it's preference too. Like, it, so if you think about it, uh, Fantasy Grounds or Roll Twenty are primarily for people who want to play online campaigns. Yes, you're really pulling yourself away from having your character sheets out on the table, having your maps out on the table, and doing something in person, yeah. right? Um, now, uh, another thing that we're going to talk about now is Hero Lab, uh, something I actually ran you through today yeah. at, at lunch. Um, Hero Lab will allow you to create your own character locally, uh, but you can also add additional characters. So you can either be a GM or you can be a player. Or you can be both if you wanted to. And it steps you through creating your character and managing that character, just like the others do. Uh, Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds also let you do it. Uh, so this is kind of just their own flavor. They also both have mobile apps. So if you had a phone or if you had a tablet, you can run them on there as well. Uh, and Hero Lab is just another flavor of it. For PC Gen, PC Gen, because it's open source, it has a couple of flaws, so there are some conflicts. Mm -hmm. uh, Hero Lab, so far from what I can tell, has been generally conflict-free. Uh, so far, it, again, it's not perfect. They are a little bit pricey. Hero Lab and Fantasy Grounds, I believe, are probably the most expensive. I know they're over $100 for... Is that right? Uh, so Fantasy Grounds, I believe, is like 100 bucks if you wanted to be a okay. GM. Yep. If you're just a player, I believe it's a little bit cheaper. But then you have to buy each of the modules that you yeah. want to play. If you're playing Minds of Fandelver, you buy Minds of Fandelver as yep. a Fantasy Grounds module. And then it Correct. In. But then you have all the content there in... Yep. You have all the maps and the NPCs and all the all the content. Yep. The entire book is in there. Yeah, Hero Lab. Uh, Hero Lab. You will buy at least for the Pathfinder side. Um, you'll buy. I believe it's like thirty nine dollars for a base set, either to be a GM or to be a player, mm -hmm. and it comes with a basic set of uh, core rule books and a couple other rule books and additional resources. And then you can actually buy class packs if you're a player. 
So you oh, can right. buy like a warrior or a cleric class pack, and it comes with several other classes and their subclasses or, or archetypes. And then um, there's a bunch of other player compendiums if you wanted to purchase that add to all of that content. Um, it's a very like piecemeal a la carte option, right? Well, but that means if you go with Hero Lab rather than Fantasy Grounds, you're you get to choose what you pay for rather than just paying for everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and but you know, after a while, it does become expensive, right? Yeah, so I'm sure. May, it, Hero Lab might be very appealing to a player who just wants to play a cleric or a specific class, and then they know that they're probably just going to play that for a while. It's about $45 altogether to drop that cash, but then you get a couple licenses, you can play it on your laptop, and you can use it on a mobile device, and you still have some options. I find the character management in here a lot a little bit better than I do PC Gen and Fantasy Grounds, um, and, and, and I like it a lot. It's been, it's been great so far. Again, most of the games I play, I'm managing everything pen and paper, Yeah, <laughs> and the, the the people who come to the table, it's pen and paper, but we're doing it kind of old school style. We're trying, that's that's kind of the, the, the mentality. Yeah. But coming to a game table with your character sheet on a computer, that works too, because I mean, then you're taking up less. You take up significantly less space. You're not flipping through pages right. and pages and pages of a character sheet to look for a spell. Uh, you, know, you could scroll over uh, a spell and it gives you all the stats or right. all the, the DC checks and everything like that for the it. The worst thing about playing in pen and paper is when somebody's like, I'm going to cast X. And they've never cast that spell before. I'm like, tell me what that ca- that spell does. And like, oh, wait. And they pull out the handbook and they're like... Flipping through it, okay, it's... That's a little... Okay, here it is. <laughs> that onus is on the player a little bit to know their character, so that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Uh, but, but but no, that that happens, right? Yeah. So, like, even if you listen to a couple podcasts, uh, whether you're listening to uh, Glass Cannon or if you're listening to uh, um, uh, uh, Dice Camera Action, not critical everybody... Role. Well, Critical yeah, Role. Critical role that, yeah, Critical they're Role. They're pretty good. Sidesteps some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, they just, like, say, uh, table rules. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or even in earlier episodes of the Adventure Zone, you know, they did do some stoppages and go, tell me about that spell. Yeah. Right? And then they, they, they leave a bunch of stuff on the cutting floor, right? Or yeah. the editing floor. They'll edit some of that stuff out. But every once in a while, you do hear, and maybe it's flavor for the person listening because yeah. they want to hear some of that stuff going on. Uh, but. I like the Glass <clears throat> Cannon did a lot of, because I don't play Pathfinder and Glass Cannon's all Pathfinder. I don't know all the rules, so it's kind of nice to to hear to hear them go through. Yeah. yeah. So what are you doing now? Well, I've got I've got this rapid reload feat. Yep. Well, what the hell's rapid reload? And then they explain <laughs> it, and and yep. the podcast moves on, and now I understand the rules. Yeah. Yeah. No, they they do really good. Like like keep the player engaged yeah. with with that stuff, but. We digress. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm a I'm a big fan of Hero Lab. Um, I've I've probably spent a little bit more money than I may have liked to initially, uh, but I get a lot of use out of it. And to be honest with you, outside of just playing, um, you know, if I'm killing time or if I have nothing to do, instead of staring at my phone, I am creating a new character and <laughs> playing around with different uh, different ideas and different builds and stuff like that. So, so you you put uh, Miss Weaver as next. Yep. Item on the list. So Mythweaver is a, uh, I guess the best way to put it is a online site that lets you uh, select a specific game. And then uh, they have a couple other tools where you can create character sheets from there and manage the character on there. A couple of players that I play on my 
um, Roll20 and Discord Pathfinder group, they use Mythweaver okay. for the majority of their stuff. Uh, three of us use Hero Lab and the other two use Mythweaver. And, and they generally like Mythweaver pretty well. Okay. I believe you can actually export some of your stuff from Mythweaver and bring it into Roll20 okay. also if you wanted to. So. Kind of one of those. Yeah. Yep. That's like a... a Dipping your toe in the world of character generation because I know there are oh there's a lot there. more yeah Excel those spreadsheets that have been created by a dozen different people yeah <laughs> <laughs> well so that was initially probably even before PC Gen that was the only thing that we had available to us was somebody who created an Excel spreadsheet or a purely JavaScript site yeah that would run through the entire character creation and probably crash your browser because it was eating yeah. up too much memory at one point. <laughs> right. I, I don't remember the name of the site, but I'll get it to Eric and we'll post a link to it. It still exists. And they created, a, there was a fourth edition one for it, and then when uh, D&D Next started coming out. Right, which they, became uh, fifth edition. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they created one just like it. Uh, so I'll, I'll make sure we include it in the, in the notes for the podcast. But okay. uh, that, yeah... In the beginning, that site used to crash my browser constantly because it had so much logic built into it. Right. And rightfully so. Yeah. Right. Well, that there's a reason why all of these exist. Uh, character generations, yeah, yeah, they exist, and most of them are standalone uh, applications that are, you know, they're, they're written to deal with all this logic. Yeah. They're not just a website that's kind of shoehorning it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So uh, there's a bunch of other resources too, right? So um, that not just uh, official content, but third-party resources, right? right. So you've got uh, Drive Through RPG, which not only sells, uh, you know, D and D content, but allows people to create their own. And then the Open Gaming Network uh, has their own SRD uh, compendium, I guess you would call it, right, for uh, other platforms, yeah. primarily uh, 3.5, 4th edition, 5th edition, and uh, Pathfinder, where they have pretty much anything you could find. If you didn't want to buy a book, you could <laughs> go through their content and actually you know, use them as a resource. They have pretty much everything. Uh, certain content they may rename a little bit because there's trademarks on it. Mm. Uh, so if you're looking for maybe Champion of the Faith or a, uh, a different Paladin class, it might be named a little bit differently <laughs> uh, because yeah. there might be some trademarks to it. Okay. So so they kind of avoid kind of like that. Beholders are a trademark. Mind Flayers are a trademark. Yep. Yeah. Um, exactly. The yeah. other other classes and monsters that are trademarks. Yep. Like you can't use the term Hobbit without having uh, somebody from the Tolkien somebody family screaming at you about it? Oh, Okay, gotcha. Is that why they're all called halflings? That is why they're called oh, halflings yeah. because Gary Gygax, Gary Gygax was sued over the fact that he was using halfling Hobbits. and Balrog. Uh, <laughs> so now we have halflings and what are they called? Balor. The Balor. The Balors yeah. instead yep. of Balrog. Yeah. There's actually a stack exchange for RPGs, RPG Stack Exchange. Uh, This is an online community where people can ask questions and you'll get an answer from the majority of the communities. Uh, RPG Stack Exchange, from what I can tell so far and everything that I've used for it, people have been really great. Uh, I've asked quite a few questions on there and I've gotten really good responses. Uh, As long as you've done your homework and you're just not immediately typing in and you haven't done a quick Google search for what you want because the majority of your yeah. questions have been answered before. Uh, but RPG Stack Exchange is a really good place if you have a question to get an answer or even search for other questions that people have asked before. Uh, and then good old Reddit, right? right? You know, Reddit's Reddit is, a fantastic resource. And I like Reddit not just for 
questions and memes and cats. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I do like it for memes and cats. Uh, but it, re- related to D and like it as an uh, inspirational sort of thing. Oh yeah, Go and absolutely. Find so many DMs who have said, "Here's how I'm running this particular campaign." Yeah. Or here's a crazy trick I tried, and it worked out. And here's what what worked and here's what didn't work. It's a great place to find maps too. Like I'm oh, really? always, I'm map starved, constantly <laughs> map starved. If I'll go through either the Pathfinder or D and D subreddit, and if somebody has posted like an image or gallery to a bunch of maps, oh. I'll start picking off maps, and I could create content off of those maps too. But I'll usually find a lot of inspiration off of like encounters off of a map. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out there, right? You're not just limited to just the books that are available, but uh, you know, a lot of software, a lot of online resources, too. Yeah. So uh, that's probably it for this episode. We've, yeah. we've covered a lot about character generation and third-party content, all of the different tools for uh, for both character generation and the sources that you can go to for third-party content. Whether you want to spend money or if you want to yeah. if you want to save a hurting on your wallet. Yeah, there's a lot of options. So again, uh, we'll be doing a couple uh, other podcasts in the near future on probably on the celebrities of D&D. We've mentioned people like Gary Gag- Gary Gygax, Chris Perkins, Chris Perkins uh, Matt Mercer, I mentioned him periodically. <laughs> uh, Matt Coville has pretty much become a celebrity of D&D at this point. <laughs> um, yep. And so that, we'll probably do an episode on that and Anatomy of Encounter at some point. Uh, if there are other topics that you're interested in, just let us know. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably nuts, and you should subscribe because you're nuts. Uh, <laughs> send us a comment if you're in a platform that allows for comments. If you are not, we are available on Twitter, and please tweet at us uh, and follow us on Twitter. We are on Dungeon underscore Tangent. Did I get it right? I believe so. Dungeon underscore Tangent is our Twitter handle. Chris, you are, if you want to tell your... Yeah, I am at Chris underscore Rutledge. Apparently we have this problem of using underscores in uh, social media names, which is a bad no-no. Is it? Yeah, yeah, because uh, it makes it difficult for people to find you. And I got, oh, okay. yeah, I, I didn't get into Twitter in time and someone else stole Chris Rutledge. I'm like, oh, man, come on. Okay. Well, anyway, that's all for this episode. Yeah, thank you for watching. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. Next episode, we take a break from D&D to discuss the new Netflix original series, Castlevania. If you enjoy Dungeons & Tangents, please let us know by rating us on iTunes. You can also let us know by finding us on Twitter at Dungeon underscore Tangent and sending us a funny picture. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. 